if we can all take our seats, you know, and if you can find a seat, uh, don't get discouraged if you can't find one. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, This morning, uh, in what we've been doing the last eight or nine weeks, ten weeks since Sanderson's been here, is we don't follow a format anymore. Get up, say an opening prayer, three worship songs, four worship songs, take the offering, hear a message, go home, see you later. We haven't been doing that. And uh, I personally am enjoying that. Um, I love worship. I love when we worship, I love when it flows, but I love when God just moves in a, in a way that's not choreographed, not predetermined. And I always remember this, I would hear uh, pastors pray, Lord, have your way in this service, but be done by 1130. <laughs> I've always wondered about that prayer, <laughs> how sincere it really was. So listen, this morning I am going to start off with a short little prayer to open open up to get us um, before our Heavenly Father. Uh, You know, because when we come in in the morning, a lot of times we come from a busy day, a busy week, and our mind needs to really calm down and, and, and just be quiet before the Lord. And prayer is a great way to come before Him and just let the Spirit of God and the peace of God just permeate your very soul. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to gather in your name here today. Father, that you are our loving hope. You are everything to us, Father. There is nothing before you that is before us that would get in the way. Father, we thank you that you are the adoration of our heart and that you consume our mind with your thoughts and your words with your wisdom and your knowledge. For without you, Father, we can do nothing. And Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus, and Jesus directly to you, our Lord, our God, our Savior. Thank you for being obedient to the Father. Thank you for demonstrating to us how to walk in the earth in the full authority of heaven. Thank you, thank you Jesus, for just being obedient, obedient to death on a cross. Jesus, you've been so good to us, you are so good to us, and you will continue to be good to us because you love us. And your demonstration of your love that you demonstrated that day, let it just permeate in our hearts and let that love that is so deep that passes all understanding just consume us so that as we walk, the very love of God will come through the earth, through our actions, through our words, and how we conduct ourselves in the civil and family and, and job affairs of our life, Father. Just let everything that we do, Father, just speak of Jesus. Jesus, we exalt you. For there is no name under heaven that is greater. For you have the name that is above every name. And Jesus, thank you for giving us the authority to use your name to just honor us because you love us, to to trust us, to use that name. So, Father, Lord Jesus, and Holy Spirit, this day have your way in this place. Let your presence permeate this building. Let your very word and your knowledge and your will just be that which we desire and that which we will walk in in the coming days. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Um, Everyone's got a crosshairs? If anyone doesn't raise their hand... uh, 
Starting out in Matthew eleven seventeen. I'm sorry, Mark. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going home now. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Mark eleven seventeen. Don't get serious here. And he taught, saying unto them, It is not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Mark eleven seventeen, King James Version. Words go through evolutionary processes known as semantic shifts. While the original meaning of a word is displaced by the more used and commonly accepted definitions. An example of this is the word dinner. Through the evolution of use, the word dinner now refers to and is widely accepted as the day's main meal or the evening meal. But the etymology of the word speaks of the breaking of a fast. Thus, the word dinner was originally used to describe breakfast. When Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves, he was referring to a similar evolutionary process. A contrary order became entrenched through the consistency of practices, perspectives, and persuasions, resulting in the original intent being replaced by an aberration that Jesus called a den of thieves. You have made it, and that's highlighted for a reason because that's what we're talking about, the definition of this word right now, the Greek word. The, the term springs from the Greek word tueo, which speaks to actions, attitudes, and habits as manifested in the formation of something tangible. It is easy to create entrenched deformity and, insume, and assume it is kingdom conformity through consistent, contradictory religious practices. You've all heard this, right? If everyone's doing it, it must be right. Because if everyone's doing it, it's got to be right. And if you ain't doing it this way, you ain't right. And that's wrong. Very good, Mary. <laughs> Amen. When Jesus went into the temple, he engaged in a premeditated whipping of the people and declared the house of the Lord was made into a den of thieves. He was making a direct reference to Jeremiah 11, New King James Version, as the house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes. Jeremiah asked this probing and rhetorical question after identifying a series of indiscretions that best characterize a Peter Pan church that is terrible at adulting. This is from Jeremiah. I want everyone to turn to Jeremiah because we're going to actually read these scriptures because then uh, in the crosshairs it describes what each one of these scriptures or there's a, there's a, uh, uh, a, a deeper look at each one of these scriptures and their meaning. So if you turn to Jeremiah chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 4 and read through to verse 12. Do not trust in these lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt. Then I will cause you to dwell in this place, 
in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people. Shiloh, really quickly, Shiloh represented where God first um, set up his temple when Joshua first crossed into the promised land. And it was there for approximately 400 years. I believe it was 390, somewhere around there, that the temple was there. And when it was destroyed, it was because of the wickedness, and it started with the high priest, Eli, because he didn't correct his two sons. His two sons were committing sin right in the temple that were abominations, and Eli did nothing about it. And for that, the spirit of Ichabod came on him which means that the glory of God and the presence of God and his anointing is not there anymore. It's gone. And that temple was destroyed, and the ruins are still there to this day. So when you hear the word Shiloh, and God refers to the judgment of Shiloh, he's talking about these were people who were very religious in their doings of what we're talking about here today. It looked good on the surface, but deep inside the heart and behind closed doors, there was sin abounding. And they were, they were causing God to just say, I have to judge you now. But he also said in here, he said that if you will turn away from these things that you're doing, even at that time, as Jeremiah is talking, right at the temple gate, he's telling Israel at that time, if you'll turn away from these things, I will not cause you to be taken away to a foreign land. That's impressive. Think about all the things that Israel was doing that were not godly, but they had a form of godliness. They were religious tradition. They were, they were powerless. And God said that if you'll repent of these things, even at this late date, my mercy endures forever. My love endures forever. I don't want to judge you, but you're giving me no choice here because I have to be true to my word. God will always be true to his word. It's not based on our personal um, standing, okay? God, there is no personal like, oh, it's just me, God, okay? This can happen because you know me, Lord. You know how a God made, you know how you made me. It's just me. That doesn't fly. There is a time of grace and a time of mercy that God allows you to think like that, but once your mind starts to understand and you begin to mature in the Lord, there comes a time where that's not acceptable anymore. Because we're no longer babies in the Lord. We're becoming mature men and women in God. And he expects more from us. To whom many things are entrusted, more is required. So we have to always pay attention to our relationship and, and not become religious. There's nothing wrong with religion, what you practice. But when you become religious about it, when it's powerless and godless, you are in a form of idolatry. And that is a very dangerous place to be because you don't even think you're there. 
And it takes the Spirit of God and His mercy to wake us up. And that's why judgment comes. He needs to wake us up. So in uh, number one, <clears throat> verse four, a presumption that is equally, equally idolatrous, that believes that the physical temple or the brick and mortar building possesses a power that it does not. AKA, and I'm using this for an example. I am not here calling anyone evil. And I'm not saying because you meet in this building that you are looking at this building as if it is your God. I wanna make that very clear. But what God is saying is don't trust in this building because that's not where my power lies. My power lies in your heart. It lies in the words that consume your mind. It lies in my spirit. It lies in my presence. It lies in the blood of my son. That's where your power lies, and it lies in the resurrection of my son when I declared him to be my son, and that same resurrection power lives in you. And that's where God resides. And that's what he's saying here. Verse 5, the urgency for impartiality and equity. And I'm going to get back to that word in a second here. Between man and his fellow man. Any spiritual grouping that gives oxygen to injustice, bigotry, tribalism, pre prejudice, insularity, and <laughs> there it is again. He always gets, no, 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 no. I, I looked it up this morning. <laughs> and I even practiced it 20 times. Ethnocentricity, how was that? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Betrays its status. That's, it, ethnotransicity is based on the attitude that one's own group is superior. That's what that word means, okay? Betrays its status as God's people. It is an indictment of our love of, for God if our love for one another ever comes back into question. And I want to go back into equity because it almost has the same meaning as tail, where a word has taken on a new meaning. When I say equity, right away everybody thinks black lives matter. Social justice. I'm telling you. It, it, that's, that's, what, that's what's in the world today. When They're changing that word to mean that this is what it means in today's jargon. What you have is mine, even if I didn't earn it. Okay? But that's not what the word, this is a beautiful word. And it belongs right here. Because I'm going to give you the definition of what real equity really means. Not this, I'm going to call it perverted interpretation of what the word really means. This is God inspired this word. And listen to the definition. Equality of rights, natural justice or right, or desiring to give to each man his due according to reason and the law of God to man. That's the difference between a godly interpretation of the word and a humanistic interpretation of the word. It's been switched, but this is a good word. Fairness and determination of conflicting, of conflicting claims, impartiality. And that's why uh, Anderson used that word in this uh, Crosshairs prayer points this morning. It's a very powerful word. Verse 6 says, The call for empathy to immigrants, orphans, and widows. True religion is demonstrated in how the less fortunate are treated in the company of the redeemed. In verse 6, again, a murderous and adulterous spirit that permeates the house of God. 
Verse 9, a fundamental violation of the moral codes not, of not stealing, not committing murder, not committing adultery, and not committing idolatry. These indiscretions represent a differential posture to, the, to a brand of Christianity that does not fear God and puts him at the highest place of affection. It's what we're talking about this morning. After identifying the spiritual carelessness of the people, God pointed their attention to Shiloh as an example of his response to spiritual irresponsibility in verse 12. Shiloh is the place where God walked out of his house and reduced it to a God-deprived system. Like Elvis, he left the building. When God is gone, all you have left is Ichabod. I was reading Matthew Henry this morning, and this is what he said about verse 12. This is a quote from him. The privileges of a form of godliness are often the pride and confidence of those that are strangers and enemies to the power of it. I'll read it again. The privileges of a form of godliness, just what we've been talking about, the fake godliness, the appearance godliness, one that has no power. The privileges of a form of godliness are often the pride and confidence. Get stuck in that pride of what you're walking in. So now you've got a double whammy. Not only are you walking in ungodliness, but now you have pride, which is idolatry. So you're in a bad place. Are often pride and confidence of those that are strangers and even enemies to the power of it. Strangers and enemies to those that walk in the power of God. Basically, that's the, the new updated 2022 version. The house of prayer is not necessarily replaced by prayerlessness. It is swallowed up by spiritual recklessness. Prayerlessness is not just the absence of praying. It can easily be the regularity of prayer, but inner Babylonian dispositions mixed with religious posturing ultimately invalidate both the power and importance of our prayer. And by using the Babylonian position, what's being described here is that it's the world system of operation and rebellion of God and his word. Whenever you hear the Babylonian system, it is the total, and I don't want to say the opposite because God has no opposite. I want to make that clear. God is superior to everything. There's nothing that is equal with him on an equal playing field. He is here and everything else is beneath him. But for the conversation that we'll have here, it's a polar opposite to God's word. The Babylonian system and how they teach you to live in this world system I always got to clarify this, not living in the world, not enjoying the blessings of God and the, and the fruit of God, of your labor that God blesses you with. That's not living in the world. Living in the world is when you adhere to their system of doing things and their protocol of doing things. That is being worldly and carnal minded. Once again, people can be in church and they might look godly, but they're the most worldliest. Babylonian-led people that you ever want to meet, and they proclaim to be Christians. And we have to pray for people. We have to pray for our brothers and sisters. 
It's not to point a finger. It's to love one another. It's when you see a brother beset by sin, it's to, it's to just set him free from it, but not in a condescending way, but from a position of love and mercy and grace. We must always walk in that, never forgetting that that's what Jesus demonstrated to us on the cross. And it is that power of the cross that will break down the very strongholds of Satan in the minds of individuals when they sense the very love and power of God being displayed by your life and by your words and your actions. It destroys everything that evil stands for. That is true power. That is true godliness and holiness. That's what we're talking about here. And when you are walking in that position of power and godliness and holiness, you can walk in a position in a powerful place of prayer because your mind is right. You have confidence to stand before God and petition God knowing that you belong in the throne room of God because you are cleansed by the blood of God and your mind is right. You know you're righteous based on faith. And that when you speak, you know you're standing there with the authority and the full will of God working through you. Yes. I, you know, I didn't think I was going to get into all this. <laughs> He's allowing me to take some liberty here. Hallelujah. So here's our legislative agenda. Ukraine needs our prayer as this war can have enormous refugee and humanitarian repercussions. That's number one. <clears throat> number two, pray for the mind of the Lord in global negotiations for quick resolution in the current crisis. And pray for Pastor Randy Thurman as he negotiates the next phase of the call of God in his life. You know, when we get quiet before God, he begins to reveal things to you. And I am very, very knowledgeable of what is going on in the world. And I'm hearing two, two, two points of view coming at me. One is that Russia is totally evil, which I agree about, that Putin is evil. Communism is evil. I mean, that's a whole other story. And the other one that I'm hearing is that, the, that Europe and the United States have the high moral ground on this and the position that they are coming against this evil simply for the sake of coming against evil. None of that is true. Now, I'm going to speak from my heart here, you, and I'm, I'm saying to you right now, you could take this and meditate on it and pray before God about it. You can stone me when I leave the building. Whichever one you decide to do is okay with me. But here's what's going on right now that you can't see behind the curtain. This is all contrived for a reason. The world system is in trouble right now. They have destroyed humanity with COVID. The people that have died, the people that are hurting, the people that are financially have been just destroyed, they're not done. The reason they have to have this war is to hide what they did. Are you hearing me? That doesn't mean that what, ha what is happening to the everyday people, the church and the people in Ukraine, is not a reality. 
and that these people are not hurting. People are dying. People are being misplaced from their homes. They're having to flee Ukraine. And these elitists sit in their upper rooms and they could care less. That's why when we pray for the leaders in negotiations, we're coming against that today. We're coming against that ulterior motive of what is driving this. And everything you see going on in the last two years is a culmination of this Babylonian system. And if you'll read Revelation 17 and 18, it talks about it. It's coming to an end. I suggest you read those two chapters when you go home today. They'll be very clear for you of what is happening. In the very end, God destroys Babylon and their way of doing business. Their earthly system is crumbling, and they will do anything to keep their power, even at the sake of destroying a nation. See, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. That's who our fight is against. And we have to stay focused on that. You can't take a political side here. What you have to take is the side of the Word of God, what He says what we, are, we are commanded to do, to help those in need, to pray for those that are living under this oppression. And I, of all people, am a very patriotic American, but I'm sorry on this one that the truth isn't being told. And when we pray today, we're going to pray for God's mercy and grace on the country of Ukraine. We're going to pray that those leaders that are evil be removed. We're going to pray that those people are kept safe. And we're going to pray for the Spirit of God to move in that country in a way that's never been seen before. Andrew sent me a voicemail from his friend that is in Ukraine. It's Albert Kitchener. And something struck me when I was listening to that. He said, you know, Andy, you want to play it? Okay, I'm just going to explain something I want you to listen to. That would be great if you play that. Hi, Andy. This wait, is wait. Albert. And Stop. I want you to pay attention to what he says here. It struck me. He says, even though we're being displaced from our homes... God is doing something by placing us all over the world. Whew. That's powerful. Go ahead, Bill. Hi, Andy. This is Albert. And I know you've sent me messages and um, prayed. And um, I'm just getting a little bit of relief since the beginning of this war, which came up on us. Not really unexpected, but, you know, we didn't know it's going to hit as fast as it did. Uh, I've had to make sure all our guys are secured and safe, especially the foreigners. And um, I was um, involved in the evacuation, which I still am involved in, of our, you know, people. By the grace of God, all our church folk have left um, the country that is the foreigners. And some of the Ukrainians have also left. Uh, there are few, uh, some who are left in Ukraine right now. Um, some are on the battlefront fighting. We're praying for them. Others are stuck in key because men cannot leave. They all call to join in the fight. <sighs> it's been so, 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 so tiresome and, um, you know, a lot of things going on in your brains in a second. But God has kept us all safe until this time. Now that I have a little bit of window, I want to give you an update. 
since the one of the war um, it's been just one thing after the other people fleeing for their lives on the second day my wife and children left so they would get to safety they left in the car and um, as they were driving they got to a place and they couldn't continue they have to abandon the car and um, join a bus that was taking people thankfully a couple of days back they were at the romania border they have since crossed into safety and uh, moved on um, to a location i wouldn't mention right on this i'm sure you may see my name all over social media because my phone number was given because i'm the honorary consul of ghana to ukraine and by virtue of my position i have to also make sure that all the ghanaians are safe so i have interactions going on from uh, government through my personal you know contacts and you know parents calling me from all over the world and oh my god it's been it's been it's been hectic but some of the things that and uh, we have learned and the values that we hold, you know, sort of keeps me um, going. As I speak with you now, we have members of our church, Ukrainians, who are fighting and we pray for them daily so they will be alive. Others are hiding in the basements of their homes for days. Um, very soon they will be running out of supplies, but we know God is going to keep each and every one of us safe until, you know, victory comes. Um, right now, we also are faced with situations where movement from one city to another is impossible because bridges have been, you know, blasted. Um, soldiers have taken over some parts of the roads and you may not, you know, arrive at safety. Um, it's not been easy, but the Lord has been with us. I am very safe where I am and... Um, for obvious reasons, um, my location, I don't share at this point in time. But I'm far away from Kiev right now and um, gradually trying to move um, out because my work of evacuating our people is almost getting through. Um, but my heart still goes for my Ukrainian brethren. I wish I could go back and just, you know, encourage somebody and, you know, do something. Um, I had to leave home with, you know, whatever is with me, 35 years of work and um, investment and whatever you want to call it, um, just looking at it all behind me. But thank God the values that are old are not just material, but what makes me do what I do is in me. So it doesn't matter where I find myself, but it looks like, uh, we'll have to start a new life somewhere and see how things develop in Ukraine and um, jump right back in and uh, move forward again. Um, at this point, you know, I'm on the battlefield at the same time trying to hear God and thinking about my family and having to sort our brethren, especially the students who have now found themselves uh, all across, you know, the cities of Europe. For me, it means something great as well. The war is a bad thing, but in one day, our church was located on different premises, different places of Europe. Now we need to reach out to these people and provide covering and apostolic impartation so that they will be able to grow. I see God taking us 
from the greenhouse and planting us in a permanent place of fruitfulness. Um, I'm bringing this message to you and asking that you all pray for us, pray for Ukraine, pray for even the Russians who are right now beating us, you know, but we know that God is going to bring victory to us. I know this is long, but I don't know if I'll get another time to speak with you. Whatever the case, my brethren, serve the Lord, never give up, stand for what you believe, and let the Lord's name be glorified. I am Dr. Albert Kitcher, your brother, your friend, and I ask for your prayers. I'll see you all at the other side. What I mean is that when I cross the borders of Ukraine and I am in safety, we shall continue to serve the Lord. And when peace returns to Ukraine, we will jump right back in. I am pushed away, so I have to obey and leave. Otherwise, I will stand. And I still stand together with my brethren. We need to help them. We need to do what we can to make them strong and not to let the writings that God have used us to put on the walls be erased because of war. I believe there is a new beginning right at the corner. Be strengthened, my brethren, and thank you for all your prayers. Thank you for your support, and God bless you all some more. Good night. There you go. You just heard from somebody that's there. He's right there in the thick of it. <clears throat> uh, Albert and Anderson are very good friends, and they, they have a great relationship. And to be privileged to hear through Anderson for him to send that to us is a privilege to hear that. <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to pray right now. We're going to pray on these three points. And <clears throat> I like to say when we do prayer... Uh, anyone who feels they want to add to these prayers, anyone who feels that the Spirit of God is having them pray something, please feel free to, to you can even come right up here and, and, and begin to pray. Or you can stand in your seat, or you could sit in your seat. There is, there is no protocol of how we do this. This is, this is something where we want everyone to begin to pray, because this is a house of prayer. Amen? Let's start to pray. We're going to pray for Ukraine right now. We're going to pray for those that are being relocated out of their homes, those that are losing all of their possessions right now. So, Father, we come before you right now, Lord. Lord, you are sovereign, and you can also be providential. We need your providential interaction in this situation right now, Father. Just like you did in the birth of our nation, we need for you to be providential in your actions as you intervene for your people and also for the people of Ukraine who don't know you. Father, we ask you to move in a very strong and powerful way. Continue to work through Albert and his church and his family and all the other churches along with Albert. Father, we ask you that you would strengthen them in their inner man, that you would strengthen them with a faith that is supernatural that they would not be moved by what they see, that they would not become exhausted, but they will receive a strength from you, Father, that will be supernatural, that will cause them to, to run and not walk, that will cause them to jump over walls, that will cause them to move in mighty ways, Father, that no one could understand because it's supernatural. 
Father, we thank you for every brother and sister in the Ukraine right now. We thank you for all the people of Ukraine, Father, for they're all precious in your sight, Father. Lord God, we just ask you right now, through your mercy and through your grace, that you would destroy the evil that is fermenting this war. Father, we would ask that you expose this evil, even on the evil airwaves of the nations, Father, that you would cause them to trip over their words and to begin to actually speak the truth, even when they're trying to curse us, that the truth would come out of their mouth. Just like Balaam, when he tried to curse the nation of Israel, Father God, he couldn't help but praise you and speak truth. Father, move in these airwaves right now and change the dynamic, change the spirit, change this war talk, Father. Change this, 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 this false patriotism, Father. Father, and let the church begin to speak up and speak peace and not war. Let the church hold to the truths of you, Father. And to the Prince of Peace, Father, Jesus, the Almighty God of heaven and earth. Father, let his peace just reign on the people of Ukraine. Jesus, just permeate your life through every individual there that has, that has surrendered their lives to you, Father. Give them direction, Jesus. Give them inspiration. Give them hope. Give them vision. Give them clarity. Give them understanding. Give them the mind of Christ that they would understand and to move in a supernatural way, that the wisdom that you would impart unto them would be peaceable and gentle. And that wisdom would be so profound that the knowledge that they possess would be used in such a way that the world would be absolutely stunned at what they're doing. For your honor and for your glory, Father, work in this way in your people. Father, we ask that you would just release right now legions of angels of your heavenly host, Father. We ask it and we ask you to send your angels as you already have done, Father. But we are asking you today to keep the pressure on, to destroy the wickedness, Father. Destroy the principalities and the evil that is causing evil minds that gravitate to these evil thoughts to be destroyed in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, break down every word that comes out of their mouths that is evil and corrupt and break down every word that is deceptive, that has the sound of, of, of good, but that is evil intentions are behind it. You know who they are, Father. Reveal them, remove them, and move in a mighty way, Father. In all of these negotiations, Father God, remove from the table those that have bad motives. And put in those positions of power men and women that fear you, Father. They may not know you, but they fear you. And they know that the actions that they take right now have consequences, Father. Just let your mighty fire fall in those meetings. Let your spirit move in a mighty way in these meetings, Father God. Let it move, Father. Move in a great way, Father. Oh, Lord God. And just as... Joshua led your people around the walls of Jericho. And on the seventh day, they all shouted and those walls came down. Well, Father, we're shouting now. We've been marching around, Father. We're marching and petitioning you now, Father. And we shout with a loud voice, Father God, to tear down these walls. Tear them down, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. 
tear them down, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah, God. Thank you, Father. Lord God, and provide every need for your people there. Every emotional, physical, and spiritual need. Provide for them, Lord. Provide for them, Lord, like only you can. Rise up in the hearts of your people that are not in that situation to send money, to send prayers, to send whatever they can to uplift and upgird our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and those that have had to depart. Father, let us keep in contact with them, Lord. Help us to understand who they are so that we can support them and pray for them, Lord. Through channels that you have already created, Father. Let those channels be open to us in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for all these things, Father, in Jesus' name. And Father, we, we pray for Randy. We pray for Pastor Randy, Father God. We pray that right now, Father God, that you would just move on his life in a supernatural way. That, Father God, the word that is in him, that you would cause it to rise up like never before. That any walls that have been built in his mind that would hinder him from working and moving in your will would be destroyed right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We come against them in the name of Jesus. Father God, give him the strength and the courage to do that which you are commanding him to do, Father. Father, strengthen him in his heart right now and in his mind, Father God, to say and do the things that you are purposing and willing for his life. Father God, let him sense that spirit of community that is so important to know that he is not alone, that he is not abandoned, but that he is loved by you and by us, Father. And Lord God, we just continue to pray for him and we pray for Anita. We pray for her, Father God. We pray for her heart, Father God, and her mind to let her know, Father God, that we love her, Father. Touch her right now, Father, in a way that she's never sensed before, that right now a peace would overcome her mind and her soul right now, Father, that her body would just be filled with the very presence and peace of Jesus our Lord. Father, help Josh, his son, help, help Anita and help Randy to continue to move in a place of unity, Father in a place of, of togetherness, Father God, that they can move in a very mighty and powerful way. And Father God, we ask you to bless this family, bless this family unit, Father. And we come against any evil that would try to destroy it in the mighty name of Jesus. We come against every demonic influence that would try to destroy this family in the name of Jesus. And Father God, we ask you to lift up this family and hold them in your hand, Father, and just cover them with your wings. That in the shadow of the Almighty, under the wings of angels, Father, that you would shield and protect them. That you would just send angels into that situation to help his ministry to blossom. And to help his family to prosper. And Father God, you would send help in the mighty name of Jesus to perform that which you have destined for him to do. And we pray and we thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.